You're listening to the John Stapleton Podcast. Today we're talking about 10 challenges that Christians face before the return of the Lord. Uh, Let's get into it. Number one, the first challenge is to regularly gather with other believers. This is Hebrews 10, 25. It says, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Actually, let me go pick this passage up a little earlier. 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider, this is this is where it starts, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, what I notice in the American church is ever since COVID, the church never quite bounced back to where it was in 2019 as far as attendance goes. Um, there are three groups that emerged in pretty much every church. They're the people that are faithfully committed. They're there uh, on a regular basis, perhaps every week. They're serving and, uh, and they're giving. You have people that are on the fence. Uh, they were they were scared when 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 COVID happened. Maybe they had reasons to stay home, uh, but for whatever reason, they 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 stayed home and they kept staying home. And it wasn't until a, 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 a while back, maybe maybe a year, maybe two years after COVID, where we saw them again. Um, and 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 it's good. It's a good thing to have them back. And then the third group are the people who were seekers. Uh, they weren't. They didn't have deep roots. Uh, they, they weren't that involved to begin with. Their heart wasn't really in it. And so when they had the opportunity to stay home, they did. And um, the, the, the people that I, I tend to think of are uh, people that can't make it to church or have a difficult time making it to church because of sports. But just like whatever it is, um, they they sought that opportunity to stay home and kept staying home and they never came back. And so this creates a dynamic where we we see who the true faithful people are. We see who the people who uh, we see the people who are genuine. Um, oh, these are the people that are left. And so it may feel like um uh, like like we're a smaller group and it's it's you know not as powerful or as strong as it was. But really, what we're seeing are the true believers of Jesus. Uh, the Bible uses this word remnant. That there was a remnant left over, uh, and that remnant is small but powerful because they have the power of God behind them. Number two, um, as the Lord approaches, as the Lord returns, it's going to be more and more difficult to observe the Lord's Supper uh, in, in mindfulness of his return. This is what 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six says. He says, do this as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. Uh, it says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So often we observe the Lord's supper with a, with a focus on his death and his resurrection. I mean, after all, that's what it's about, right? 
But Paul says, as often as you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So there is this expectation that we still have when we have communion, when we eat the bread and drink the wine or the juice. What we're saying is Jesus came a first time to judge sin, and Jesus is coming a second time to end sin. And if we don't have those two bookends in our mind, the story is incomplete. The story is incomplete. We need to have a picture of Jesus that is real and realistic. We need to have a picture of him that puts him in his rightful place in heavenly glory. He's not a victim on a cross. This is why Protestants don't tend to like crucifixes. We like crosses, but we don't like crucifixes because it tells us, the cross tells us, it's, it's a reminder of what Jesus did to accomplish our salvation. But the crucifix communicates the message that he was a man that died and, and he stayed dead. And that may not be what is intended by the crucifixes, but at least when a Protestant looks at that, that's what we automatically go to. And we need to remember that God is coming back to judge the world because he created the world. And, and he's going to offer salvation to those who hear the gospel. And that's, this is what the cross is about. It's salvation for those that accept him. And it's a looming judgment for those that don't accept him. Number three, love believers and unbelievers. This is 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 12 through 13. Paul says, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for, for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. So, in Matthew 24, Jesus warned us that people's general capacity to love one another is going to be severely diminished in the last days. And I can kind of see a perfect recipe for this. I mean, when you have increasing violence, famines, death, lies, moral corruption, just decline of society everywhere, it's very easy to not love people, right? Because after all, people are, are kind of running everything. And it's easier to assume that someone is an idiot, especially after hearing them share their beliefs. Now, what we need to do is we need to, uh, we need to be really good at separating the idea from the person. Ideas are damned. People are not. But when people latch on to their ideas, if, they, if their ideas are damning, they will eventually share the same fate as their ideas. This is why Paul says in Ephesians 6 that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against spiritual principalities that have taken people captive. Number four, as the Lord returns, it's going to be more and more difficult to practice patience. James 5, 8 says, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So as we race toward the end, uh, th there's going to be ample opportunities for God's people to lose their cool when evil is in the world, when they see evil in the world, when they see evil prevail in the world. And we need to be aware of what's happening, but we don't need to be living on the news. There's a difference between looking at something and meditating on something. 
And the majority of our thoughts should be focused on God's word, not on the bad news, not on fear-mongering politics. I'm not saying don't get involved. That's I'm not one of those Christians that say that. Uh, I'm saying you need to really moderate what you are consuming. And this goes, uh, this even spills on to different things that we call entertainment. Watch what you're taking in because whether you know it or not, you are being shaped by what you see. You are being discipled by what you constantly watch. What you at one point thought was abnormal and scandalous, you may have now been desensitized to it. And it's all in the name of entertainment. It's really discipleship. Everything, everything, everything is spiritual. Number six. Or sorry, number five. Uh, as the Lord returns, it's going to be more and more difficult to live different in the world. This is 1 John 2, 28. Now children, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, you may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. And 1 John 3, verses 2 through 3. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we see him as he is. And everyone who thus puts hope in him purifies himself as he is pure. Here, here's what he's saying. Live your life in such a way where when Jesus comes back, and re- he, he, you're not going to be ashamed of him. See, the thing is, you can fool most people most of the time. I, I think the actually the saying goes, you can fool some of the people most of the time. Uh, you can fool all the people some of the time. Uh, and then I forgot the last part. But essentially is this. Um, there are people that are not discerning, and there are people that are. And no matter who who you encounter, even if you're uh, even if you're in front of a, a very discerning person, a good judge of character, it is possible to deceive them. It's imp- it's possible to fake it for so long, where they believe you. But you know who you don't fool? Two people. You, you don't fool yourself, and you don't fool God. At the end of the day. When your head hits the pillow and it's just you and your thoughts, you know who you are and you know what life you live and you know what character you have based on that life. And John is encouraging us to live righteously right now, today in the present, so that whenever Jesus comes back, whenever he returns, we will not shrink back from him in shame. We will not, out of our own self-awareness, shrink back from Jesus. We want to embrace Jesus when he returns. We want to be excited about his return. And the way, to, the way to do that, the way to prepare for that today, is to live the way Jesus told us to live before he came back. And Jesus told us about, uh, he told us the parable of the, uh, the ten virgins. He said, stay ready. He told the parable of the, um, the, the, the wicked servant who, in Matthew 25, his master leaves. I think it's maybe 24. Uh, his master leaves and he's gone for a while and this servant is in charge of the house and he decides to do whatever he wants because the master's not here and and he he gets drunk and he beats the servants and and the thing is there's a day coming when the ser- when the master returns and he's going to find the servant slacking off being wicked being evil not working 
and we just we don't want to be that guy. We don't want to be that guy. Number six, as the Lord's return draws closer, it's going to be harder to refrain from judging others. This is 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. Paul says, therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. What he just said was, look, I can't judge myself. Even if I think I'm right, I cannot judge myself. God is the judge, and he will judge everything perfectly. So he says in verse 5, Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness, and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. What he's saying is, in the middle, before God's judgment, there's going to be a lot that looks like something. And we're going to be tempted to make all sorts of conclusions. We're going to be tempted to make all sorts of judgments. And what Paul's saying is, don't do it. Now, again, we're judging ideas. We're not judging people. We're judging ideas. We're not judging people. We're, we're saying, hey, you're, you're aligning yourself with this idea that is false. Is that how you want to live your life? Right? And as far as the world goes, let me just bring this up in passing. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 12, uh, what business is it of mine to judge those in the world? God would judge those in the world. You judge those in the church. So as far as the Christian is concerned, if you say that you are a Christian, if you are part of the covenant family of faith, you will be judged by other Christians. It's what's supposed to happen. But we're not supposed to judge people that say, I don't follow your God and I don't follow, I don't adhere to your religion. Because... When they do the things that the world does, why are you surprised by it? It's their natural instincts that they're, they're, that they're living upon. Number seven, as the Lord's return draws nearer and nearer, it's going to be harder to preach the word. Um, this is 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 2. Paul says to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and the Lord Christ Jesus, uh, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Oh man, I feel this more than ever. There are times, so Paul talks about uh, there, there, there's, there's the times when you preach the gospel and it's in season. And then there are other times when you preach the gospel and it's out of season. People don't want to hear it. There are times where it's favorable to be a Christian and other times where it's it, most of the time where it's not favorable to be a Christian. I'm thinking about this in American history where um, if you are a Christian mecha mechanic, Christian business person, that was good for you socially because people tended to trust Christians more. And why wouldn't you want a Christian accountant or a Christian mechanic or Christian whatever? It, it would indicate that they're going to do business justly. But we live in a day where Christianity is not just seen as an is uh, unimportant or irrelevant, but actually evil. And so this is this is a day where it's out of season, and it's, it doesn't benefit you to come out of the closet, so to speak, and say, I'm a Christian. And Paul says, be solid on your convictions and preach the word. Don't change your message because the people have changed or the tide has, has, uh, of culture has changed. Preach the word. Because guess what? Re the truth doesn't change. Regardless of what people may think, the truth is not fluid. It's always been the same. It's always been the same. What changes is people's receptivity to that truth. People's perception of that truth. 
And, and, and he tells us um, some things to do directly. He says, reprove. People hate being reproved. People hate being pulled aside and saying, hey, this right here, this behavior right here, this belief right here is wrong. People hate that. People hate being preached at. People hate rebuke. Hey, that's just flat out false. That's flat out wrong. That's, that's out of pocket. That's out of line. People hate that. People don't want to be exhorted. People want to... People want to um, try it the hard way, and they don't want to be taught how life works. Or if they're taught how life works, it's not according to biblical doctrine. It's, it's something completely else. And this is why Paul says, be, you have to be patient when you do this. You have to be patient when you teach. Why? Because it's hard work. Because people don't want to hear it. Because people are going to push back. You've got the majority who's trying to make a decision. And you've got a minority of people who are destined to lead people astray. And in, and in the middle of all of that, you've got to be patient. You've got to be patient. Number eight, as the Lord returns, it's going to be harder to comfort the hurting. This is... 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So as the days draw near for Jesus to return, um, let me just say this. We're living in the last days. The the time between the, the, the first and the second return of Christ is the last days. And... In the last days, the church is persecuted. Christians die. Uh, in this case, I mean, this would even include um, natural death or martyrdom, but there are some Christians in the church in Thessalonica that lost loved ones, and Paul is, is writing to comfort them, and he says, look, we don't grieve like the world does. We don't grieve like people that don't have hope. We know where we're going. And... Death is not the end. But, you know, as you see more and more death, as you see more and more destruction, as you see more and more hatred against Christ, the church, and Christians, it's going to be harder to comfort others because you're going to feel in yourself the pull to be more cynical. And you got to fight that. Hold on to the promises of God. He has He has promised so much. He has told us so much about the future that if we just hold on to that and believe that, it's going to carry us through to the end. Number nine, we're almost done. As the Lord returns, as it, it as it gets closer for Him to return, uh, it's going to be harder to win souls. This is Jude twenty-one through twenty-three. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So, as the world gets darker, Christians, we, we, need, we need to be a compelling group of people. Why would anybody be won over by us if we look just like the world? And, and many of us do look just like the world. Our, our church services sometimes 
Um, they look like rock concerts. They look like mosh pits. They look like rap venues. And, and I understand that there's a point where you got to build culture, but in the end, church is supposed to be simple. Church is supposed to point to Jesus. Church is supposed to be the place where God's people can pray and practice the ordinances. And if we look just like the world, uh, then we're not offering them anything that they don't have. And even our personal lives, if we look just like the world, then we're not, we're not, when, when we say, come follow Jesus, well, what's that look like? Well, come follow me. We can't say, as the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We can't say that if we don't look like Christ. That's what's causing a lot of confusion. This is why a lot of people, they've been in church and they've, uh, uh, listen, I, I think the stories are true when they say, I've seen adultery, I've seen cheating, I've seen lies, I've seen backstabbing, I, I, I've seen backbiting, I, I've seen all that. Like when people have those stories about the church, I don't question. I think that's true. I think it happens. And, and they leave and they ultimately adopt another belief because you were a hypocrite. Because we were a hypocrite. And we have to we have to be like Jesus. For our own for our own sanctification, right? So that we don't shrink back when he returns, but also so, so that the world the watching world isn't confused. Last one. As the Lord returns, as it gets closer for him to return, it's gonna be harder to be concerned with heaven. Paul says this in Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. What's amazing is Paul didn't say that Christ is the first priority. He said Christ is your life. And he says, if you've been raised with Christ then you're going to seek the things that are above. You're going to seek the eternal things. You're going to seek the things in heaven. You're going to you're going to seek the things of Christ. You're going to be all in. And if you can't if you can't say that you're all in, then maybe you're still about the earth. But the earth in all its wisdom is passing away. So I would encourage you to focus your attention on things that are permanent, things that will not pass away, things that are eternal. You cannot be a name only Christian. Because Christ is your life. And I'm not talking about being so heavenly minded that you're not any earthly good. There's no such thing. If someone is heavenly minded but no earthly good, then what that tells me is they have um, they have a spirituality that just... They, they don't have a spirituality. Because every spirituality compels action. And in the end, if you have someone that says, I just memorize verses all day and think about heaven... They're not spiritually minded. They're not heavenly minded. They're not, they don't have the mind of Christ. So anyway, those are 10 things that I was thinking about. Uh, I'll see you next time. And just so you know, um, I have been, historically, I've been doing like an episode a week, or sorry, five episodes a week, and then three episodes a week, and then two. Um, I, I'm not going to put myself on a schedule. Um I want to post when when I'm when when I have something to say, and um, I found myself doing a lot of study recently. So I'm going to um, 
post when I have something to say. And so it might be a little sporadic, but whenever I drop, it's going to be good. God bless, and I'll see you next time.